0: Today on Hardwired. As we've already mentioned, this final 1262 days is called the days of the voice of the seventh angel. Now in heaven, John seeing in heaven out, he again sees the 24 elders and they represent you and me. They
1: represent the church because where are we when all this is going on? We're up there. Welcome to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire. Whether you find yourself in a good place, maybe in a difficult place, or possibly even in a very lonely place, let me encourage you that you've come to the right place. Now, if you're not able to stick around with us for all of today's program, you can always listen to it at our website, hardwired.org. You may have been listening to the program for a while or possibly just tuned in. Well, I want you to know that we do this for you. With a world that is searching and coming up empty, It's nice to know you can land on this message of hope and truth, something we all need to hear. So let's jump right in with today's program. Here's Pastor Jeff to tell us what's coming up in today's edition of Hardwired.
0: Hi everybody and welcome to this edition of Hardwired. Thank you so much for joining us and making us a part of your very busy day. Well, we're going through the Book of Revelation on Hardwired, it's been a great series, lots of feedback from this and I'm excited to teach it, as much as I know you're excited to hear it. And this time, we're gonna talk about something that most of you will recognize. It's called the abomination of desolation. If you know anything about the Bible, or you're a Christian and have been for any time at all, you've likely heard that phrase, the abomination of desolation. Well, it's going to happen during the Great Tribulation period. So today, we're going to explore that. We're gonna see the context in which it happens, and what it means for our world, because when the abomination happens, then it's going to bring a shift into end time events, very crucial for our planet and for those that are alive in that day. I can't wait to share part two of the message, The Abomination of Desolation. Let's go. Last time we saw, and I'm do a little background, a little backup, just to refresh you, but last time we saw that the temple that was destroyed in 70 AD. Everybody remember that? The temple was destroyed. It was destroyed by the Romans. And that was the second time the temple of God had been destroyed. It was destroyed by the Romans when they destroyed the entire city of Jerusalem, killed over a million Jewish people. And the rest of the Jewish people were scattered to the four corners of the world for 20 centuries until 1948, when they became a nation again, all right? Now, we saw that that temple is somehow, some way, gonna be rebuilt on its ancient location. And it just happens to be right where the Dome of the Rock is, which is the major place of Muslim worship. Dome of the Rock, it's beautiful on the outside, but it was built right where the temple once stood before the Romans destroyed it in 70 AD. The Bible predicts that it's got to be rebuilt. Where is it predicted? The book of Revelation. It's going to be rebuilt. That may happen after Antichrist brokers a peace treaty with the Jewish people, bringing Arab-Israeli peace, finally. This peace treaty, by the way, is going to happen at the very beginning of the Great Tribulation, and it may actually be the trigger of the Great Tribulation. But that's coming. There's going to be a peace treaty. Temple's going to be rebuilt. And we also learned that the one and the same Antichrist, after it's rebuilt, is going to commit what the Bible calls the abomination of desolation. Watch this now. This happens at the three and a half year mark. Halfway through the seven year tribulation, because the great tribulation is seven years long. This will trigger, when he goes in and commits the abomination of desolation, at the halfway point of the great tribulation, it's going to trigger a ferocious persecution against the Jewish people, probably unlike anything ever seen. Jesus said in Matthew twenty-four, fifteen. give you an example. Jesus, the greatest prophet in the Bible, said, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel, the prophet, standing in the holy place, this abomination is gonna stand or be stood up or be placed in the holy place. Jesus said, whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea, Jesus said, you better hook them to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. In other words, don't even worry about your stuff. Get out of there. And let him who was in the field not go back to get his clothes, but woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days and pray that your flight is not in the winter or on the Sabbath, because in the winter it's harder to run the Sabbath. They're going to have conscience issues with exerting energy on the Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulations, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time. Now listen to this, everybody. No, nor ever shall be. Now, what is the abomination of desolation exactly? Because it sounds terrible, abomination of desolation. That sounds awful. What is it? It means simply this. It is to bring something accursed into the temple and on into the holy of holies where the Shekinah glory of God rests. All right? So you got the temple. You got the outer court, inner court, holy of holies. The inner sanctum where the ark is where the cherubim are, where the Shekinah glory rested between the wings of the cherubim. That's the Holy of Holies. When something is taken in there that God did not order, and even worse, it's something that is accursed. That's the abomination that makes desolate. It causes desolation when it happens. Little history. It's happened once. It happened in 167 B.C., So 167 years before Christ, when a Greek ruler by the name of uh, of Antiochus Epiphanes set up an altar to Zeus over the altar of burnt offerings in the Jewish temple, and Jesus is warning here about a repeat of this in a rebuilt temple. Now, when the Antichrist breaks his treaty with Israel and invades Jerusalem, the two witnesses are finally slain. They're slain at the halfway mark. Revelations eleven seven. seven, when they complete their testimony, the beast, that's the antichrist, that comes up out of the bottomless pit, will declare war against them and he will conquer them and kill them. So God allows them to be killed, but watch this. I want you to notice something, that how uncannily John predicts the ability of our present day world to view something worldwide in real time all at the same time which can only happen via television or the internet. Look at what John predicted. Please catch this, is uncanny, because John wrote this in the first century. He says, and their bodies, verses eight and nine, their bodies will lie in the main street of Jerusalem, the city that is figuratively called Sodom and Egypt, the city where their Lord was crucified. And for three days and a half, three and a half days, watch this, all peoples, Tribes, languages, and nations will stare at their bodies. Now, do you know how that passage mystified Bible scholars in the past? How how can this be? How is the whole world, every tribe, every people, every language, every nation, going to stare at two men lying in the streets of Jerusalem in real time at the same time? How are they going to do it? And they used to just go, Don't get it. I just have to trust God and His Word. Because sometimes the Word becomes clear as time passes. So then came satellite television and 24 seven news channels. And now it's an easy thing to accomplish. You can have ABC, CBS, NBC, CNN, MS, I mean, MSNBC staring at those two bodies at the same time. John just wrote down what the spirit of God moved on him to say, and now look, it's totally possible. Wow. Another amazing proof that the Bible is a supernatural book predicting times and events and inventions millennia into the future. Now, notice next how a world experiencing the great tribulation, look at this now, rejoices over the death of these two men. This is the, this is the population that is experiencing these terrible judgments. But look at their character. It says in Revelation eleven nine 9, they threw a big party it says nobody will be allowed to bury them, and all the people who belong to this world will gloat over them and give presents to each other to celebrate the death of the two prophets who had tormented them. How they torment them? With truth. All right, party hardy, the two prophets are dead. But hang on, the party doesn't last long. Revelations 11.11, but after three and a half days, God breathed life into them, and they stood up. Can you imagine ABC commentators, CBS, NBC, CNN? Can you imagine? Can you imagine? (laughs) Because look, they stood up. They were dead. They stood up. Terror struck all who were staring at them, which was the whole world. I guess so. Then a loud voice from heaven called to the two prophets Come up here. And they rose to heaven in a cloud as their enemies watched. Whoa, folks. Are you with me? Say, do you really believe this, Jeff? Of course I believe it. Why would I not believe it? Right? If you believe Genesis 1-1, you can go anywhere with miracles. Okay? So, yes, of course. They are raptured up. They're taken up. These two witnesses will be resurrected from the dead and caught up into heaven with every nation watching. Party's over. Then begins the worst of the tribulation period. At the precise moment this happens, an earthquake is gonna rock the city. Revelations 11:13. at the same time, there was a terrible earthquake that destroyed a 10th of Jerusalem. That's Jerusalem. 7,000 people died in that earthquake. And everyone else was terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. Wow. So here we go. Now you might recall that God has a lot of times in history sent signs via nature or or natural catastrophes in order to signify that something of, of great spiritual significance has taken place. Remember when Jesus hung on the cross, the Bible says there was from the sixth hour to the ninth hour, There was darkness over all the land from high noon to three. It was as dark as night. What did that? I personally believe the sorrow of God. His own son was being crucified. And then when Jesus died, Matthew tells us the earth quaked and the rocks were split. So there you go again. When something of great significance happened, there was a natural phenomena that seemed to react to it. And it's gonna be this when these two God-appointed witnesses are killed and resurrected. A great earthquake is gonna rock Jerusalem. And John warns next, the second terror is past. This is verse 14, the second terror is past, but look, the third terror is coming quickly. And that's the seventh trumpet. The blowing of the seventh trumpet is finally about to happen. Now, remember how we said at the beginning of our study that as John is shown these various visions, John has taken up and brought back down. He's shown things in heaven, and he's shown calamities that are coming upon the earth. So now he is taken back up into heaven to witness the blowing of the seventh trumpet. Verse 15, the seventh angel blew his trumpet and there were loud voices shouting in heaven. The world has now become the kingdom of our
1: Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. Amen. Before Pastor Jeff comes back to wrap things up for us today, I'd like to share a couple of important things with you. Let me encourage you to take a minute and check out our website, hardwired.org. You'll find today's program along with all of Pastor Jeff's messages. There's a growing list of great things to check out at the site. So hop on over and check it out, hardwired.org. That's hardwired.org. And be sure to tell your friends about the program. We know you're being blessed by it. I'm sure your friends will be as well. We're here to reach as many people for the Lord as we can. So getting the word out will help us on this mission. And that's what this program is all about. And Pastor Jeff's back now for the conclusion of today's program. This is when Jesus takes over everything now.
0: Everything is turned over to him now. This last trumpet is gonna encompass the entire time period of the final 42 months described in detail all the way through chapter 19. So this seventh trumpet sets the stage for the rest of the book. As we've already mentioned, this final 1262 days is called the days of the voice of the seventh angel. Now in heaven, John's seeing in heaven out. He again sees the 24 elders and they represent you and me. They represent the church because where are we when all this is going on? We're up there. Come on, everybody. No more high gas prices up there. No more inflation up there, amen? And what are those 24 elders doing? This is what heaven looks like. They're rejoicing, they're worshiping and proclaiming that the time of rewards in heaven is at hand. And at the very same time, all this is going on up there, the earth is experiencing vicious judgments down here. Verse 16, the 24 elders sitting on their thrones before God fell with their faces to the ground and worshiped him. And they said, we give thanks to you, Lord God, the almighty, the one who is and who always was. I've gotten calls on the radio Said, when did God begin? He never began. He's always been. And this is one of those confirmations of it. He is now, but he always was. How far back you wanna go, he's always there. For now you have assumed your great power and have begun to reign. Verse 18, the nations were filled with wrath, but now the time of your wrath has come. It's time to judge the dead and reward your servants, the prophets, as well as your holy people and all who fear your name from the least to the greatest. It's time to destroy all who have caused destruction on the earth. Notice everybody, Rewards are given out. While all this is happening on earth, rewards are given out to the church up there, okay? That's when we're rewarded for how we lived our lives on earth. Did we glorify God? Did we serve him? Did we reach people? Did we pray? Did we bear fruit? Did we use our gift? Did we live for him? Did we give a cup of cold water to somebody in the name of Jesus? Did we feed the hungry in his name, give water to the thirsty in his name? Did we visit the the imprisoned in his name? Did Did we do things, good works? Did we do good works to the glory of God, not to toot our own horn, but to glorify God? Did we do that? Because here at this time, halfway through the tribulation, the church is up there receiving rewards. Amen. All who fear your name, from the very least, to the very greatest, amen. Following this incredible scene, the remaining chapters of John's revelation describe the conclusion of history. Civilization as we know it, ladies and gentlemen, is gonna almost totally self-destruct and the Lord Jesus Christ will intervene in majesty and intervene in glory. Now, chapter 11 closes out with even more tumult. Let's look at verse 19. Then in heaven, John's still up there, the temple of God was open and the ark of his covenant could be seen inside the temple. And look what John witnesses, lightning flashed, thunder crashed, and there was an earthquake and a terrible hailstorm. Coming on who? A populace that would celebrate the death of two of God's people. Now, we're gonna do just a little bit of chapter 12 and we'll, and we'll close, but I gotta take you a little bit further, it's so powerful. As chapter 12 opens, John has a flashback for the purpose of identifying the first of seven very intriguing characters introduced in the Revelation. Revelations 12, verse one. Then I witnessed in heaven an event of great, everybody say with me, great significance. Now, does that mean that we ought to pay real attention to this? Oh, yeah, because it's great significance. This is significant. I saw a woman, and she was clothed with the sun, and the moon was beneath her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. What is this? Well, the woman John saw is none other than Israel. Say, how do you know it's Israel. Because in Genesis 37, you remember Joseph had a dream. And in the dream, he saw the sun, the moon, and the 12 stars bowing to him. And it says, soon Joseph had another dream, and he he told his brothers, big mistake. Joseph was was a wonderful, great man of God, but he made some really dumb mistakes when he was young. You don't go tell your brothers you had a dream from God that they were bowing down to you. Joseph said, listen, I've had another dream. The sun, moon, and 11 stars bowed low before me. Now, how did Jacob interpret the dream? Jacob, his father, verse 10 says in Genesis 37, what kind of dream is that? Jacob asked, will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? So Jacob knew that the sun, the moon, and the 12 stars were representative of him and his sons and the future Israel. So Jacob and his 12 sons comprised the embryonic nation of Israel, right? And the great wonder that John saw was Israel was pregnant, but pregnant with whom? Revelations twelve two says she was pregnant and she cried out because of her labor pains, the agony of giving birth. Now this is none other than a symbolic picture of Israel bringing forth a wonder child. Christ Jesus, the Lord, the promised Messiah. Because why did God call Abraham in the first place? That through you, Abraham, all the nations of the world would be blessed. And how are all the nations of the world blessed through Abraham? Through his descendants that brought forth the promised Messiah, promised first in Genesis three fifteen, the bruiser of Satan's head. So this is a symbolic picture that John is being shown it's Israel pregnant, giving birth, but then something else happens. Verse three, then I saw in heaven another significant event. I saw a large red dragon with seven heads, 10 horns with seven crowns on his head. Now who's the dragon? The dragon is clearly the devil. 13 times in Revelation, the devil is called a dragon. So this is the devil. And his seven heads, you know, Bible numerology, I'm not big on numerology, but I'll tell you this much. Uh, Seven is the number for completion. So his seven heads depict the evil perfection of his influence on civilization's progress during the great tribulation. The 10 horns, horns always represent authority. They're a prediction of a final alignment of Gentile world powers they will stand in league with Antichrist during the tribulation. Ten Gentile nations are going to shake hands with Antichrist and join him. And look what the devil attempts to do in verse four. He stood in front of the woman as she was about to give birth, ready to do what, everybody? Read it with me. Devour, come on, her baby. As soon as it was born, whose baby? What, what's the baby? Christ. Now, what does this take us back to? It takes us back to Herod, and when Jesus was born, Herod ordered the death of every male child, two years old and under, in all of Bethlehem. And Herod was totally under the influence of Satan, the dragon, and what was he trying to do? Devour the child as soon as it was born, and stop the ministry, but more than anything, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, which was Satan's worst nightmare. But look what happens in verse five, and we come to a close. She gave birth to the son. Was Jesus born? Amen. And look what it says about him, who was to rule all nations with an iron rod. That's Jesus. And her child was snatched away from the dragon and was caught up to God and to his throne. Yeah, because when Jesus was born, God delivered him from the hands of Herod. And Jesus lived, died on the cross, was buried, rose from the dead, and then after 40 days was taken back up into heaven, just as verse five says. So we're looking back now in history. And John is being given a picture, sort of a, a just a symbolic picture of Christ and the warfare that accompanied his birth. The devil didn't succeed. Next time we're together, we're gonna see that John is transported back to the future to be shown the final last day's events. Everybody say, amen. I don't wanna give you any more because I don't wanna pop your head. But that's a lot, amen. That's a lot. And and how many of you are amazed at the Word of God like I am? It's it's an amazing book.
1: What an amazing book. How true it is. Thanks for tuning in today to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire. With the busy schedule everyone has these days, it means the world to us that you would take this time to listen. Let us know how it has touched your heart by calling us at 877-884-3111. You can also connect with us at our website, hardwired.org. It's no secret that our country has had some extreme challenges over the last year or two. People have been going through depression, isolation, emotional pains, disillusionment, and more, and are looking for something to grab a hold of for security. Well, the answer is not in something, it's someone Jesus Christ. And that's what this program is all about. So here's how you can help us get this message out. Being a listener-supported program means we rely on the financial partnership of our listeners, which means you. And we believe that these messages with Pastor Jeff are making a difference in your life. So this is how you can make a difference to ours. You can contribute by giving us a call at 877-884-3111 or at our website, hardwired.org. 877-884-3111 or go to hardwired.org. Thank you for your very generous gifts. God bless, and thanks for listening to Hardwired.